All right, well, let me share a couple quick uh, things from this week, and then we'll jump into teaching because this this is not this uh, this gospel of the kingdom, which we're going to talk about tonight, is not in word only, but in power, and it is extremely important that we manifest Jesus Christ. So, our all of our teaching and all of our studying is is really for one purpose: to manifest jesus christ from us okay a lot america has done the world a disservice with all of its addiction to teaching and learning uh because they have they have presented a gospel that's easy to study but nearly impossible for anyone to manifest because they have not placed the importance of manifest of manifesting christ uh, so that's why I always like to have, have testimonies, share these things. It's encouraging for everyone. It's it's uh, fun to see the growth in people's lives. Um, so a couple quick ones from this week. Uh, had uh, uh, two people, a husband and wife, reach out to us who had heard of all the healings happening uh, around our region here in Joplin, southwest Missouri, and said, we need, we need you. So we went over there. And uh, it was on our Saturday morning outreach, so we went over to their house first. And she uh, she was dealing with it was a spirit of infirmity, but um, the uh, the she had a bunch of stuff wrong with her digestive system, and she looked like someone who hadn't been eating much for quite a while. The doctors never, you know, she goes to the doctors, they run all the tests, and they're like, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Go home. <laughs> except she looks like skin and bones. And so uh, we took authority over that thing and evicted it. And um, and she hadn't eaten yet that day. So what do you do? You, you know, you say, you know, it's time to eat, go eat. So uh, she gave us a testimony letter later that everything was going well after she had eaten, um, which normally it would give her a lot of problems, a lot of problems. So many problems that when she eats that she just doesn't eat. Um, her husband also uh, was uh, had an issue with his foot that caused him a lot of a great deal of pain, especially when he would stand on it for long periods of time because you know working or whatever. And he, this foot was uh, stiff and had a, a constant uh, pain in it that never got better. And uh, he didn't know why and all this. Um, but I just took his hand and said, and said, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of this thing and be healed head to toe. And instantly, I said, try your foot out. Instantly, he, his foot was set free. So where it was tight and stiff and in pain, his foot was instant, re, instantly released. And he looked at me with the surprised face. He's like, he's like, that's a lot better. <laughs> And, uh, and he's like, I can move my foot. It's not stiff anymore. And he said, all that pain almost completely left. And so uh, anyway, two two people instantly healed there. And then there was another one where Levi and uh, James and another guy, James, uh, one of the guys in our group down here that is usually on the call, um, they came upon a lady going door to door on Saturday who had uh, – a surgery on her hip that caused, and they, they cut a tendon and a nerve on accident and it caught, it left her with a completely numb leg. Have you ever been like sitting on your leg and it falls asleep? That's just horrible, man. I don't, I don't know how you can even walk with that thing. But, uh, uh, anyway, she had a completely numb leg and they laid hands on her and uh, just commanded her to be healed from head to toe, release life into her. And she said a tingle started from the top of her hip and moved all the way down her leg over the course of, you know, a very short time, two or three minutes here. And it just moved all the way down her leg. And wherever that tingle went down her leg, her feeling was completely restored. And it went all the way down her leg and out her toes. And so she was completely healed. And that's a that is actually a creative miracle since that, that nerve was cut. So Jesus knitted that thing back together and it moved the healing. Actually, 
watched her as she described the healing take place right in front of their eyes. Um, and uh, she also, and this was Levi, who's 13. Uh, kids can do this too, by the way, uh, if you train them. And he uh, noticed she had glasses on. So he's like, you know, what's wrong with your eyes? And she said, oh, I've got really bad eyesight. And he said, well, if perfect eyesight is a 10 and, you know, blindness is a one, where are you at? She said, like about a four. So she had less than half of her vision by her own description. Apparently they were pretty thick glasses. And so Levi laid hands on her and he said, I bless you with uh, clear sight in the name of Jesus. And he said, okay, take your glasses off, try them out. And, uh, and you should hear him tell the testimony. He told it last Sunday uh, at our meeting, but he, he was, he was like, she, the look on her face was very surprised. Like, Whoa, that's better. And she, she had gone from a four, which is less than half her eyesight, all the way to an eight, which is very close to 10. Uh, you know, and she was in her, I think she was probably in her 60s easily. So uh, having eight out of 10 perfect eyesight, even at that age, is really great, no matter who you are. And to see it completely restored like that instantly is awesome. I should have shared the pictures of those. I have both those pictures, but I don't have them on this computer. So, um, Clara, I don't know if you've got volume. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. So, uh, my mom texted me and said that you had, uh, contracted COVID. Is that true? All right. We're going to pray for you right now. You ready? All right. Now in the name of Jesus, COVID and the spirit of COVID, I break your power now leave her in jesus name every symptom every speck of virus die now in the name of jesus i release life to you clara right now and i say be healed be healed head to toe every bit made whole Every bit made whole. Every bit, every bit, every bit. Suffering, leave her in the name of Jesus. Be healed to the uttermost in the name of Jesus. All right. I believe it's done. That's how you do it. You believe it's done when you pray it. You don't wait to see. If the symptoms say it's done, you believe it's done, and that's what makes it work. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about the gospel of the kingdom and the mindset of this gospel, um, because we are continually, I say we, human, humans, <laughs> we're all humans here, are continually disqualifying ourselves, which is bad. But which is even, what is even worse is we're disqualifying other people from walking in the manifestation of Jesus Christ in the earth. The problem that we face is that no one really knows. I say no one. I'm making general statements here, okay? In the body of Christ in our modern church age, not many understand what the gospel of the kingdom is, nor do many understand how to get it going, or how to walk in it. Like, that's the big question. How do I do this? Here's my life. I've got a perception of myself. I am born again. I even speak in tongues. But I probably have a perception of myself that's based on uh, the words of other people. Other people's words shaping you. You know, the church that you have used to go to or currently go to shaping you. But none of these things, if we'll be honest, are probably shaping us into the likeness of Jesus Christ to the point that we manifest him, right? That is the purpose, not that we know things, but that we manifest someone, all right? So we're going to talk about the gospel of the kingdom, what it is. Uh, it's, I, I have, I've touched on these things already, but I'm coming at it from a simplified angle. 
Um, I'm always trying to get this message very simple, but I'm going to say some things probably here that you've never heard before. And I'm going to read some scripture that you've caught, probably gl- glanced over before, never really understanding what it meant. So I'm going to start at Ephesians 3, 8, and 9. And it's really important, these things I'm going to say, because you have to allow them to change your mindset. Listen, if, if you don't allow your mindset to change, you will not you will not step out of your patterns of thinking. You will not step out of your patterns of living. You'll just be who you are over and over, okay? So listen to the mindset. Listen to these words, these scriptures. Listen, don't compare it. Don't compare the word of God to other teachers, you know, other churches who have a splashy, fancy, glossy message. Let's just let the word of God do its work. Let's let the word of God speak for itself, okay? All right, the gospel of the king. Let's start at Ephesians 3, 8, and 9. Ephesians 3, 8, and 9. Paul writing <clears throat> to the Ephesians, he says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God? And I want to focus on this part of this verse right here where it says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. So if Paul is going to bring a a plan to light, that means it's no longer going to be hidden, right? It was hidden. But now he's bringing it to the light. And this plan that we're about to talk about is still hidden to much of the modern church. That's why we see things in our cities that we see and the, 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 the disorder and where, you know, things are just running in chaos. This is the effect of a church who does not understand or have light of the plan of God's mystery hidden for ages. All right. Now, so Paul's assignment in in his own words was to preach the mystery of Christ, which is the gospel of the kingdom. Okay. You probably heard part of the mystery of Christ, which wasn't really a mystery because the Messiah is coming to do a bunch of good stuff. Namely, becoming the once and for all sacrifice for all sin. But the over the overwhelming plan of God that was conceived from before the foundation of the world was hidden. The purpose of this plan was hidden. And since much of the modern church does not have light concerning this plan from before the foundation of the world, they have to come to some own, some of their own conclusions. They have to draw some conclusions. So the plan that you might be aware of is that Jesus died so you don't have to go to hell so that you could go to heaven. Okay? That, that is a very small part of this plan. And even the way I said it there is a little bit twisted. Okay? All right. So <clears throat> Paul's assignment in his own words, was to preach the mystery of Christ, which is the gospel of the kingdom. Also, in the word of God, in the New Testament, it's referred to as the gospel of salvation, the word of truth, and the word of God. Okay? Now, what is the purpose of Christ? To bring delight for everyone was the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. Let's understand now this plan. It's written in Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. It says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. Paul using the same words there. Which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. All right. Now he is going to tell us what the plan is. To unite all things in him, things in heaven 
and things on earth. So, what is the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time? Again, it is, in verse 10, to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, if the gospel of the kingdom that you know does not line up with that, you have a either partial gospel, possibly even a false gospel. All right? <clears throat> so God has set forth his purpose in Christ in order. It's got a, it's got a there's a purpose behind all this. All right? Jesus wasn't we we talked about this before, really quick, he wasn't the rescue plan. He was always the plan, all right? Uh that's on our first that's on our training cycle, the very first one, God's new humanity. If you want to read more about uh, learn more about that, God has set forth His purpose in Christ in order to make known to us the mystery of His will. What is the mystery of His will? It's for the entire earth to be brought into the order of Christ and His kingdom through the subjection of His enemies and the maturity of the sons of God. And I'm going to prove that statement in, with a couple of verses here. All right. Jesus spoke of this many times. For example, in Matthew 6, chapter 6, 9 and 10, this is where the disciples asked him, you know, teach us to pray. And they have that famous line of passage where we call it the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. Jesus responded and he said, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here we go. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's very close to what Paul said in Ephesians 1, verse 10, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay? This is the mystery of his will we're talking about. This is according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan. Okay. So the kingdom, when he says your kingdom come, your will be done, it's important to understand the kingdom is not a place, it's a reign, it's a rule, it's a dominion. Sometimes I, I quote this verse often, or I, I, I quote it off the cuff, I'm actually going to read it here so that we can get the fullness of uh, what it says. This is Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. Isaiah prophesies, for unto us, speaking of the Messiah, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. The what? The government. Jesus brought with him a government. Okay? He goes on to say, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his, here's that word again, government and of peace, there will be no end. All right. Um, so this word government, this is Hebrew word 4951. This is in the Strong's. If you like to look up words and do word studies, Hebrews word H 4951. He comes with a government of God on his shoulder. That means dominion. <laughs> it means rule. It means dominion. Okay. Now, let's jump over to Ephesians 3, 8, and 9. No, let's jump to... Oh, I got, I got to finish Isaiah. I already read Ephesians 3, okay? So that word government again means rule, means dominion. All right, the next verse, this is verse 7, Isaiah chapter 9. It says, uh, on the throne of David... And over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Okay, so when he says this government will not never stop expanding of the increase of the government, there will be no end. The, the it means what's he talking about? The increase of his dominion on the earth. Because where did Jesus come? <laughs> on the earth. What is the purpose of Christ? To unite all things in heaven and on earth in him. 
So the increase of his dominion or his government on the earth will never stop. Okay. And when on verse, uh, the, in verse uh, seven here, when it uses this word kingdom on the throne of David and over his kingdom, that's Hebrew word 4467. Guess what it means? Dominion. <laughs> so the, the so Jesus came to bring dominion into the earth, to bring dominion through sonship. How does the kingdom come into the earth? Through sons. What do sons carry? Dominion. Why do sons carry dominion? Why has Jesus put his kingdom in 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 a relationship with sonship because of the purpose, because of the will to unite all things in heaven and all things on earth in himself. Okay. So let's jump to Ephesians 1, 5. We're not changing the subject. We're still talking about the gospel of the kingdom. I'm just putting a case together for it. it says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Why? How? Not just adoption as sons. There's a purpose. According to the purpose of his will. All right. We haven't changed the subject. All this stuff I'm reading out of Ephesians. It's the same thing. According to the purpose of his will. Okay. He predestined us for adoptions as sons through Christ. According to the purpose of his will. In other words, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, that all things in heaven and all things on earth would be united in Christ Jesus. Okay? This is good, good, good stuff. It's all right there in Ephesians. Uh, so according to verse 5, we were adopted as sons to unite all things in heaven and on earth in him. How do we know this? This is a good question. How do we know this? Let's jump to Romans 8, verse 19. Romans 8, verse 19 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of who? The sons of God. Even creation is in on this. Creation groans with eager longing and I think King James used the word groans, for the revealing of, or some versions say the manifestation of, the glorious sons of God. All right? Let's jump uh, two verses and go to Romans 8.21. And it says the reason why it's groaning. And this reason why creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God lines up with the purpose of his will which is to unite all things in heaven and all things on earth in him. Here's what it says. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Let me read it again. This is, this is the same. This, this goes right along with the purpose. Of course, it's Paul writing, so this is really all he writes about. That the creation itself will be set free. When? When the sons of God begin to manifest. From its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. I'm going to jump back to Ephesians 1, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to reread this. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10 says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. Listen, this purpose has an effect in heaven and on earth. <laughs> it has a supreme effect, so much so that all creation is groaning for the manifestations of manifestation of the glorious sons of God in order that this purpose might come to pass, that all things in heaven and earth would be united in Christ, okay? Says, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. So the will of God, 
or the mystery of his will is this, that through sonship, the purpose of Christ would be accomplished, which is the gathering together as one of heaven and earth in Christ. Now, Jesus, God gave his son to be slaughtered for this. There's all kinds of things included in this, like we have received redemption through his blood. We have received an inheritance, which I'm getting ready to talk about. He made uh, uh, the Jew and Gentiles of the two, he made one new man. All right. This is all in Ephesians. But I'm trying to present it very simply. You've got to see the purpose to this. Otherwise, you're going to have an incorrect mindset. And the incorrect mindset is what's holding you back. It's what's causing you to not to step out. It's what's causing you to look at other people and compare yourselves and say, I could never do that, but they sure could. But it will never be me because I'm just little old me and I'm just poor little old me and I could never do it. I've just been through so much and had so many problems and I just I just don't think I could ever do that. Okay, but you have been brought into Christ for this purpose. All right. So let's go to Ephesians. Let's go to the very next verse. I just read Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. This is Ephesians 1.11. This is talking about our inheritance. If you ever wondered what your inheritance is, we're getting ready to talk about it. And guess what? The inheritance has been given to us for the same purpose. Okay. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose. There's that word again, purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. There's that will again. When he says the the purpose, the will, we're always talking about to unite all things in heaven and all things on earth in him. Okay? Or as he explained in the Lord's Prayer to the disciples, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everything, all the lies of the enemy are to prevent this one thing, by the way. All the caps and all the, you can never do that, and that's not for today. And that passed away with the apostles, and everybody's trying to get you to obey religious laws instead of manifest Jesus Christ is hung up in doctrines of demons. The doctrines of demons is the only thing. You believing the doctrines of demons and traditions of men is the only thing that's going to stop this working in your life. All right? So when we talk about this inheritance... In him we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. Listen, this inheritance is according to his purpose. What is the inheritance? Our inheritance is God the Spirit. We have been made inheritors of God, Paul writes elsewhere. And this inheritance is given expressly to carry out the purpose according to his will. I'm going to read your comment here, Cassie. Um, I was told once that when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, that we are actually praying God's will for our life. Well, I mean, in a sense, that is true because your will has to bend to his purpose overall. Like God, we, I actually taught this on Sunday. Um, I talk about I taught about sacred cows and the sovereignty of God. And people have a sacred cow or a tradition of men that they believe about the sovereignty of God that puts God up in the sky and he's playing with our lives on the earth and moving us around like little pawns. And we're just waiting on God to do whatever he wants to do. And we're just waiting to be led by his spirit and waiting for him to be to tell us you know, what to do. But that is not, that is an incorrect definition of sovereignty. All right. He is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he made us sons in the earth. And he gave us, Jesus said, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but you've got a 16 year old or, or whoever 
or maybe you sell your house and the very last thing you do, uh, selling the house is a better example. You sell the house, what's the last thing that happens? What's the very last transaction? They slide the keys across the table. Okay? So God is not in control. That's the teaching, that, that's the incorrect teaching of sovereignty. He is not in control. He is in charge. And he has put us in the earth as sons with his spirit that all things in heaven and all things on earth might be brought together in Christ. What does that look like? That looks like the very last thing he said in Matthew 28. Go into all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay? If we bring nations into Christ, that completely cuts off the influence of the enemy, right? And when we do that, we will see the earth begin to be transformed by righteousness. So when you say your kingdom come, your will be done, in context, it's talking about his purpose in Christ. But your will has to line up with his purpose. So it may not be such a bad thing to say, Cassie, when you think about that, you know, let your will be brought together with his. If if all things on earth are being brought into him and united in him, then uh, let's have all things in us be brought into subjection in him and brought into him in, in every way. So, all right, let me go on here. So we're talking about our inheritance. So our inheritance is God the Spirit. In Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Jesus, uh, Paul talks about the covenant that God made with, uh, with Jesus through Abraham. And this puts squarely the sacrifice of Jesus in the center of this purpose. What does Galatians 3, 13 and 14 say? Write it down and go read it later. But it says that Christ became a curse for us because cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. That through the blessing of Abraham, we might receive the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, by faith. So the reason Jesus hung on a cross, according to the word of God, is that we would receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that is our inheritance. We are inheritors of God, okay? I'm not teaching on that tonight, but I want to include this because this is the gospel of the kingdom. This is what a son is. A son is a sinless new man indwelt and filled with the spirit of God. In fact, the sin had to be canceled in order for you to receive your inheritance. God, the spirit. All right. So to unite all things in Jesus Christ, things in heaven and earth, our inheritance is God, the spirit. This inheritance is given expressly, expressly, expressly to carry out the purpose according to his will. This is why the spirit has been given to you to carry out the purpose. This is why in Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into all nations. This is, this is much more militant and much more severe than we've made it out. I'm going to go on and keep reading here in Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23. He says, Paul writing to the Ephesians again, verse 22 and 23, chapter 1, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him the head over all things. Why? For the church. Why did Jesus do all these things? He put all things, it says, in subjection under his feet and made him the head over all things for the church. And I'll add for the church in his earth, in the earth. It goes on to say, for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all things in all ways. That phrase there, the fullness of him who fills all things in all ways. Certainly sounds a lot to me like the purpose, which is for all things in heaven and all things on earth to be united in Christ. So Jesus Christ has been placed in authority over all things. Why? For the church 
which is his fullness, by the way, that we might fill all things in every way. All right. This is really, really good stuff. I'm going to jump to Ephesians 2, 6. And he raised us up and seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the church, we're talking about the purpose of his will. We're talking about the gospel of the kingdom. The church is how Jesus Christ is establishing his kingdom and uniting all things in heaven and earth in himself. The church is called to make plain, as Paul wrote, we read it earlier, to make plain the mystery of this plan and to destroy all the works of the devil until through righteousness the kingdom is established in every heart, in every mind, completely removing the influence of the evil one from the cosmos. And this will continue until all of his enemies are put beneath his feet and the overcoming church begins to walk in authority over the nations, ruling them until the will of God. What will? Just we're not like we say the will of God. Everybody's got that word segregated like, oh, his his will for my life, his, his will for today. That's not what this is talking about. <laughs> we're talking about the will of God, the plan of God that was conceived from before the foundation of the world. Okay. Until the will of God is done in the earth as it is in heaven. What is the will of God? What is the purpose of God? What is this mystery of this purpose that was once hidden and now revealed? It is that uh, through the church or through a new race of sons after the likeness and image of Jesus Christ, who have received the inheritance of a son, the, the God, the Spirit himself, that through us, all things in heaven and all things on earth would be united in Christ. One more verse here on this subject, on uh, the plan, Revelation 2, 26 and 27. It says, I'm going to jump to the middle of the verse and just kind of give you guys a little test. It says, he will rule them with a rod of iron. Speaking of the nations, he will rule them with a rod of iron. Who is he? We have a little test here. You can type it in the comments or if you're brave enough to speak up. Who is he referring to in this verse? And he will rule them with a rod of iron. The nation, speaking of the nations. Right, Cassie, Jesus. Here's the whole verse. Revelation 2, 26 and 27. Actually, it's not Jesus, it's us. The one who conquers and keeps my works until the end. This is the subject. This is who it is. The one who conquers and keeps my works until the end. To him, I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. Okay? So, in this verse, he will rule them with a rod of iron is us. It's to the one who overcomes. It is to his church. And this is in line. This is in good doctrinal line with the purpose that Paul talks about all through the book of Ephesians. And in Colossians and in many other places, he mentions this, okay? To the one who conquers I, and who keeps my works until the end, I will give him authority over the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. Speaking of the church, speaking of that verse where it says Jesus uh, uh, gained authority over all things for the church, okay? So this is how this is going to work. This is the gospel of the kingdom. Why is it called the gospel of the kingdom? It's because this race of sons, this race of new race of human, heavenly humanity called the sons of God who have received the inheritance of a son, God the Spirit to dwell in them, that God through this body of Christ, through this church, through this kingdom of priests, that he would bring the order of his righteousness into place through dominion once again. What does it look like 
to do that. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 10. As you go, preach. The kingdom is at hand. Now do you see why Jesus says that? I don't hear very many people preaching the kingdom is at hand. It's because they don't understand the gospel of the kingdom, but now you do. Okay? That's why Jesus said, preach, saying, the uh, kingdom is at hand. Then what? Then we're going to put things in order. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Cleanse lepers. Freely you have received. Freely release this kingdom. All right. I want to talk for just five or ten minutes about the mentality of this. This is the practical part. But before I do that, is there any questions about the verses about the doctrine, about any of those things I just said. All right. Either you're really confused or you understand. <laughs> what does the rod symbolize in the Bible? Fidel says. In the culture of the Israelites, he says, he types here the Hebrew, the rod in Hebrew, uh, and he gives the Hebrew word meteh, meteh, or meteh, something like that. He says, was a natural symbol of authority as a tool used by the shepherds to correct and guide his flock. Yes, excellent, Fidel. Thank you for adding that. Very, very good. Thank you very much for adding that. All right. Yes, I hope you're getting this because this is going to shape your worldview. This is going to shape how you view your life. This is this goes beyond modern church in every single way. <laughs> this puts you at odds with the evil one. This puts you at odds with his works. And this puts you in a place where you must begin to deal with it. Not only in your own life, but in, you know, everywhere you see it. Clara, what's up? What do you got there? Half a sentence. What are you trying to say? You might translate for... Uh, you think reshape, put... I can't read that last word. You said reshape. It reshapes where you are to be able to put it in your mind. And I think that's been my biggest thing. But that's been a lot. Um, that's what I've been... Kind of silent those and withdraw from what what I'm saying. I know I got COVID, but I think I'm more supposed to unlearn. It's, you know how you, you say declare all the time, and I always remember to say declare. Declare. You gotta get rid of all of this stuff. Yeah. And I think part of it is that I've been taking on to that the old person that I was following. And I've noticed my mind is in such a mess that I'm not putting in the multitude of the same church I was going to. I'm not going to listen to that church. We're going to supposed to put it. I'm, I'm, I'm more at peace. And I'm not. Before, I'm sure watching something about feral cats. And I can see each one of those cats in my brain trying to go in a different direction. And I know what a feral cat is. <laughs> yeah, I can. I'm. I'm saying that yes, it does reshape everything. Well, you you just said it right there. Um, we're not just see your your life is not transformed by knowing Bible facts, by knowing Bible verses, by being a part of a church, as you put it, Claire. Your life is transformed. When you immerse yourself deeply into truth and that truth begins to reshape your mind, meaning what? Your understanding, your understanding of who you are in Christ, your understanding of the purpose of Christ and your understanding of how you fit all into all these things. Once you're mentality changes, you will be able to, as I said in the beginning, 
manifest your inheritance, which is God, the spirit inside of you. See, this is what they do in the military. The first thing they do is they retrain your mind. They send you to boot camp and they start yelling at you, get off my bus. And then they put you through stuff and they break down who you were and remake you so that you could be an effective soldier that wins. And that is the exact same thing that happens when you become a son of God. We leave our mindset of who we were. See, most Christians are born again and spirit-filled, but walking with the same mindset they've always had, especially if they were religious before. They grew up in church and then got saved, and they just keep going to that old religious church, Claire, like you're talking about. Their mindset never changes, and they're never able to walk in to a place where they begin to manifest Christ and begin to understand the gospel of the kingdom, as Paul writes about it here. So let's talk about this mindset. And uh, mindset is important because it has to do, well, let, let me just teach it, okay? Philippians 2.4. I'm going to break a couple words down here. It says, look not every man in his own, on his own things. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Okay, this word look in the Greek is skopeo. It's 46.49, skopeo. It means to fix your eyes upon, okay? And this word things is uh, Greek word 1438. It means uh, yourself. It literally means himself or herself. So don't fix your eyes upon yourself. This is what Paul's writing. And in, in context, he's saying, He's talking about having the mind, the mindset of Christ. Let this same mind be in you as in Christ Jesus. That's how uh, Philippians starts out. All right. So he's coaching us. How do we have this mind? First of all, don't focus on yourself, but focus on others, which is what Jesus said. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big that's a mirror of what Paul just wrote here when Jesus said, go into all nations, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. They are, lo they are losing their life to go and focus on the building up and the maturing of other people into the, into, the, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ as we teach about. Okay. Now when he says, uh, but every man also on, uh, on the things of others, it, it, yeah, it means it's the same word, himself or herself. So just want to make that point. So Philippians 2.5, the very next verse, Paul says, Let this mind be, uh, which is uh, um, one Greek word, mind be, and it literally means be constantly having in you. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we're talking about the mindset now. we got to get the mindset. Listen. If you put a soldier on the battlefield and you never put him through boot camp, but he knows how to shoot a weapon, but he doesn't have the mindset of a soldier, that means he's still a civilian and he's going, he's going to become a civilian casualty of war. Okay? That's why the mindset is necessary. The mindset gives you the ability to comprehend uh, all of these things I'm talking about. Okay? The mindset is the first thing that changes that causes your whole life to be transformed. So let this mind be in you, which was also Christ Jesus. This is Greek word 5426, mind be, okay? It means to exercise the mind, to have an opinion of oneself, to think of one's self, or to direct one's mind to a thing, okay? What's Paul dealing with here? He's dealing with your opinion of yourself. Not what Bible verses you know. <laughs> you know, not what church you affiliate with. He's dealing with your opinion of yourself. Your opinion of yourself is blocking you. Your opinion of yourself is blocking you from manifesting Jesus Christ. The mentality you have about yourself. 
is blocking you from submitting your will and walking in the purpose of his will, which is to unite all things in heaven and all things on earth in Christ. Okay? So, if we're going to let this mind be, he's saying, have the same, here's what he's saying, get this, get this and believe it. Have the same opinion of yourself that Jesus Christ had of himself. Dude, I just, I have a flurry of verses going through my mind that support this. As he is, so are we in this world, for example. First John. Paul is literally saying, have the same opinion in you that Christ had of himself. Direct your mind to the same thing that Christ directed his mind to. All right. I'm going to jump a couple verses down to Philippians 2.7. It says, but he made himself. And what we're doing now, we're talking about this mind. We're talking about this mindset. He made himself of no reputation and took himself, took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So this word of no reputation, it might be, it, this, this part varies in different translations, but we're going to go back to the Greek. Uh, kinoo, it's Greek word 2756, for no reputation. Okay, what does this mean? It means to abase, to neutralize, to falsify, to make of no effect, to make void, to be empty, to make empty. So when Jesus said he made himself of no reputation, it means that he voided himself of his own right to have an opinion, his own opinion, his own selfish opinion about who he is. He took on the Father's opinion, we could say, of who he is. Everything that Jesus had in his mind was from the Father not even from himself. As we've said before, Jesus even revealed that he himself didn't do the miracles. He says, "Not it's not I who do these works. It's the spirit of my father in me. What's he doing? He's modeling to us how it looks and the path to take to manifest the spirit of the father. Okay. So no reputation. He made himself of no reputation. He made himself, he emptied himself of self. Okay? Uh, now Philippians uh, 2.10, we'll jump a couple, three verses down. We're still talking about the same thing. Here's the effect. Here's the effect of having the same mindset or the same opinion of yourself that Jesus had of himself. Here's the effect of... Uh, neutralizing the influence of your self in order to take on the influence of his self. Here's the goal. Philippians 2, 10 and 11. Guess what? This is the same goal. This is the same gospel of the kingdom we've been talking about for the last hour. Philippians 2, 10 and 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should Vow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And Fidel put it in the chat and he's right. It doesn't say that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. See, this is uh this is uh this is a, this is renewing your mind even a little bit here, getting the stuff straight. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And this sounds a lot like that verse we read. The purpose of the mystery of uh, the will of God, which is to unite all things in earth and on earth, in, in heaven and on the earth, to unite them in Christ. This is exactly what he's saying here. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And he even adds, and under the earth. So that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee should bow. 
Verse 12, the very next verse. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is your salvation that he's talking about? He's talking about having the same opinion of yourself that Christ had of himself. He's talking about letting the same mindset be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. This is why, this is why the church is not uh, operating in dominion on the planet, at the church at large. It's because it has a different mindset. And unless we, and if we do, if we continue to have a different opinion of ourselves than Jesus had of himself, then we will continue to be a religious, ineffective, impotent church. Okay? Why, the famous question, why don't we see more healings? Oh, that's why. Why don't we see the dead being raised? That's why. You get a man with a, who gains a mindset that Jesus had. When I, if I begin to, and I work on this and I do this, man, I, I will confront anything and anyone. I am not afraid. That's because I've taken on his mindset. That's because when I, after I took on his mindset, I took personally the devil in my cosmos. I take it personally when he kills people in my city, when he inflicts people with cancer in my city, I take it personally. And that's when you begin to manifest Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus said, I'm not here to do my own will, but the will of my father. I am here to please my father. And if your mindset is not the same mindset that Jesus Christ had, or if you have a different opinion of yourself than Jesus had of himself, then you're not able to please the Father because you have a different mind and a different mindset. What does this look like? It looks like if anyone wants to follow me, Jesus said, he must pick up his cross, deny himself daily. Jesus was not a super colossal example of what we could never be. He was the exact representation of what we are to become. That's why he's called the last Adam. That's why he became a man, because he's the firstborn among many brothers, many just like him. Why were we born into this? Why were we adopted into this? Why the atonement of the Messiah? Why the stripes on his back? Why did he come with dominion and the government of God on his shoulder? And why did he do all these things for the church? So that the purpose of his will could be done in the earth, which is to unite all things in heaven and all things on earth in Christ. All right. Now, religion puts all these events way off in the future. Guess, guess where that idea came from? It came straight from the devil. Jesus said something like, it is finished. <laughs> now go. All right. Religion's going to put all this stuff out of context and into the future where you don't walk in it. And then we'll have another generation go by and, you know, a few million people go to hell. A few countries be taken over by, you know, new princes and powers until the church becomes, begins to put on the same mindset that Jesus had about himself. When the church begins to adopt the same uh, mentality and opinion of themselves that Jesus had about himself. So what is mindset? Let's just look at a, 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 an English translation of the word mindset. It is the established set of attitudes held by someone. It's the established set of attitudes held, held by someone. You have to establish the attitude of Jesus Christ in you. All right. Did, did Jesus ever go around? Was he like, Oh, I'm never going to make it. I'm never, oh, I'm never going to please the Father. I just, oh, I just don't know if I can do this. Oh, I don't, I don't really feel like it today. Look, he never did that. And we would be like, what a horrible Messiah. <laughs> what a joke, right? He's like, oh, he gets up. He's like, oh, guys, I got a big headache. Let's stop by at the Walgreens and get some Excedrin and Mountain Dew. 
<laughs> he was the walking manifestation, the visible representation of the Father. And we will never manifest him like we have been designed to do until we begin to think of ourselves like he thought of himself. He is a son. You are a son. In him was no sin. Your sins have been canceled. You have received the spirit of God as an inheritance. There is nothing that Jesus has that you do not have. In fact, you are even seated with him in the very same place where he is seated. See how all this comes together? See how this plan comes together? This is the gospel of the kingdom. Fidel says, in the USA, the government called the church ineffective uh, during the pandemic. He's right. That word is actually, the word they used is non-essential. Non-essential. And this is why. Because we haven't understood the gospel of the kingdom. And we have not uh, replaced the, our own opinion of ourselves with the same opinion that Jesus had of himself. All right. Comments, questions, thoughts. 